Yeah, do it. All right. I've got my mind made up and I can't let go. I'm killing every second till it sees my soul. I'll be running, I'll be running till the love runs out, till the love runs out. Then we'll start fine, then we'll shut it down till the love runs out, till the love runs out. Thanks for tuning in. We have a lot of exciting things going on at Kensington I would love to tell you about. At Kensington, the sports references come naturally. You could say we have some crazy fans among us. So every year with the Super Bowl, we take time to pause from our current series and analyze the game. There's a lot of life lessons we can learn that we can apply to our own lives. It's fun, it's engaging, and it's humorous. It is the perfect service to invite someone to, especially that fan who might be a little reluctant to come to church at times. So come and join us as we learn about how it takes a team to win a game and how everyone has an important role to play. Should I do that? God has given Kensington a passion for building the kingdom near and far. We have over 10 global partners who are on the ground bringing Jesus to their communities. We support these partners with resources and with relationships. Our short-term trips bring us to the heart of what our partners are doing and gives us an opportunity to work together to bring the hope and love of Jesus to the nations. Our 2018 short-term trips are open to all with several locations, including Latin America, Brazil, Haiti, India, Nepal, Kenya, and Israel. Israel, as well as special projects within the U.S. So if this is something that interests you, check out the link below. <laughs> yeah, that's going to take me a second. Okay. okay. There is a new and exciting resource we want to share with you. So here's my friend Justin with more information. 
Hey, Kensington Church, we are so excited to share something with you today. Through the years, I have benefited from listening to great podcasts, messages online, watching videos, attending conferences, and hearing from some different teachers, leaders, and perspectives in my desire to grow. I know that so many of these resources have encouraged my relationship with Jesus, how I lead my family, and how I lead others. And now, we have an opportunity that puts all of these resources into one place. It is the Netflix of Bible study material. There are over 14,000 videos that we're going to give you access to absolutely free. It's called Right Now Media. These videos are going to help you in the areas of parenting, finances, your relationship with Jesus, questions around apologetics, your leadership in the workplace and at Kensington, the Bible studies you lead. These are great videos for your marriage, for your family, and for your kids. And we are so excited to be able to give you access to this resource because we believe it will encourage you, your family, and the people you are leading. And it will encourage moments where Jesus transforms and mobilizes you towards his mission and purpose in this world. We believe that will have an impact on the groups and teams that you lead here and throughout the week. We hope you enjoy Right Now Media. Visit our website to accept this free gift from Kensington. So that's it, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now I'd love for you to stand up and say hi to some people around you. so good to see you. Man, is everybody snow melted already? I still have one little pile in a bush. I almost took a hairdryer out there just to clear off the everything, get it done. But, you know, I figure it'll happen when it happens and then it'll just get blanketed again. And that's what we'll deal with. But that's how it is. Well, hey, welcome to Kensington Church. My name is Josh Eisenhart. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, today we are finishing up a four-part series that we started at the very beginning of this year called Crave. And what we've been looking at and what we've been exploring is this idea that sometimes the things that we lean on and that that we use to get through and to be, you know, to, to, to be the, the coping mechanism for us, end up mastering us and we become slaves to those things. The first week, if you were here, we talked about becoming slaves to approval, that so many of us are seeking that nod, that smile, that, that look of approval in people's eyes that we're willing to do anything in order to get it. And when we, we started to discover what the answer to that was, it was finding our identity in Christ. It was looking to him and an audience of one for us to get there. You know, we talked about substance abuse in week two. We talked about the different substances that people become addicted to, alcohol being probably the most prominent, but with coming up right behind that on its heels is the opioid epidemic that has been happening across America. We got to see dozens and dozens and dozens of people from all of our campuses make the courageous decision to show up and celebrate recovery. These last few weeks, we've seen a huge surge in people that are seeking out a breakthrough, seeking out an opportunity 
opportunity to find freedom from these things that are overcoming them. And it's incredible. The last week we talked about body image. We talked about being addicted to our bodies and not being able to say no to the cravings, either to be, you know, to be super thin or maybe to a food or to, you know, to working out or whatever those things are. These things own us. And when they own us, they steal our joy. They steal away our contentment. They steal away our capability and capacity to experience life and experience wholeness and to experience peace the way that God's called us to experience it. Well, this week we're finishing up with maybe one of our favorite topics, our devices. Oh, it was so fun. I was actually standing in the lobby today shaking people's hands and I can't tell you how many people didn't even see me. They were walking and they're like... It's like, don't trip, <laughs> you know, because we have these things out all the time. Anybody seen any of those videos lately online of people falling into water fountains or down escalators or anything like that? Because they have these things in their hands. You know, we've gotten to a point now where for many of us, we, it would almost be better if the back lit of our screen was just the camera showing where we were going, you know, just so we could make sure we didn't hurt ourselves. But I remember when these things first came out. I was actually old enough. I grew up in a very interesting generation because from my generation, I grew up in the time of there were still rotary telephones. You know, if you're under 30, you're going rotary what, what, what? You know, but I remember going to people's houses and actually using a phone that, that was on a wall. You remember that? You know, back when you used to have a cord, you'd have the cord that was like 33 feet long and had all these tangles in it because you wanted to go take the phone and be private. And so you'd take the phone to your room and then you'd have the clothesline that was there, you know, and people would be walking through your house and, oh, you know, get the, the cord. And again, you talk to kids and they're like, the what? The cord? What do you mean? Like you always had to charge? Like, no, it's just, it, it, it's attached to the wall. And it, that wall had a wire that went to another wire to a place that had a switchboard. And that's how people communicated. I remember just not too long ago, man, my son was watching something on his, his iPad and it was like through our Xfinity thing. I don't even understand half that stuff. And, and he comes in, he goes, dad, I don't know what's wrong with the show. It's, it's, it's on something called live. I'm not even sure what that means, but it won't let me pause or fast forward or rewind. What is this? I said, son, it means it's playing right now on the television. You're watching it as it's happening. He looks at it. He looks at me. He goes, that's awful. How do people, nobody should have to live that way. You know, it's like, and yet it wasn't more than 20 or 30 years ago that the vast majority of the technology that we can't imagine living without didn't even exist. And because of that, it's as if a brand new designer drug was introduced to the market. Because we see these things, and man, we have access to the world's information. We have the ability to broadcast our every whim. We have the ability to hear and to see and to transfer, you know, communication in ways we never could before. And yet, these things have the tendency to own us. And if we're not careful, these things dictate the direction and the quality of our lives. So I'm just going to ask you to do me a favor real quick. Go ahead and pull out your cell phone. I'm going to ask you for the rest of our service to put it in off mode. Not airplane mode, off mode. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know you won't do it. It's okay. But that feeling you just had where you went, oh, crud, I can't do that. What if I need, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Because you're so important that during this one hour time frame, if someone can't get a hold of you, God forbid, right? Mine's not off either. Um... <laughs> But maybe that says something, right? Maybe, just maybe, that little skip in your heart or that little, I'm not doing this, he's not the boss of me, maybe speaks to something that we all should be aware of. 
So today, as much as I would love to give this message, there was someone that I believe did it better. For those of you that are at a leadership gathering, you had the opportunity to hear Andrew Kim give an incredible message on this topic. I personally wanted the opportunity to introduce you to Andrew Kim. He is a brand new teaching pastor at our Troy location, which means if you go to midweeks or if you've ever thought about going to our midweek service, it's a little heavier on worship, a little deeper in teaching, then you may run into Andrew. And I wanted you to know him because the incredible thing about Kensington is, is we're just one church here, but we're part of a network of churches. We are all together as one church in several locations, aligned together to see God transform and mobilize everyone by Jesus. He is going to do these incredible things in people's lives, and it happens across all these different campuses, which means that we have gifted and talented people all over Metro Detroit that we all have the opportunity to learn from. And so today we're going to be listening via video message into Andrew Kim's talk that he gave at Leadership Gathering on the topic of digital addiction. At the end of the service today, we're going to give you an opportunity to make a decision, to make a call. When you walked in today, you may have been given a little piece of paper, and you may have a pen. If you don't have a pen, a little bit later, our ushers are going to be able to give you those if you need them. But we're going to ask you to be thinking about what that addiction is, what that thing is that maybe you're struggling with. Maybe it's today, maybe it's a digital one, or maybe it's something from a different part of our service. But whatever it is, we want to encourage you. To begin thinking about what decision God is calling you to make and what process, the most important part, that you might want to step into over this next season to finally gain freedom over the ties that bind. So in just a second, I'm going to introduce Andrew. But as we are watching the beginning of this video and beginning with the message, we're also going to receive our offering. For those of you that are newer to Kensington, maybe this is your very first time here. Welcome. We're so glad that that you decided to be a part of this gathering. The reason we receive offering at Kensington is because we believe God is on the move through this organization. That he is doing incredible things in Nepal. He's doing incredible things in India and Kenya and South Sudan and Egypt and Cuba and Brazil and Israel, Palestine all the different global partners we have, as well as right here in Detroit, we get to see thousands and thousands of people that are being transformed and mobilized by Jesus, both through our school partnerships in the community, as well as all of our area churches. And we believe when we combine our resources and we align our resources, God does huge things. And so for those of you that choose to give and give generously, thank you so much for doing that. And as the pouches go through your rows and you decide to either give via that way or through online or through you know, e-giving or app or any of the different ways, we're just thankful that you've made the decision to join us, to be a part of this, to partner with us in this. But as I said, let's sit back, let's enjoy what we hear from Andrew Kim on the subject of digital addiction. My family and I, we moved from Philadelphia to Michigan just two and a half weeks ago. And so, but now, since we live here, we are officially Michiganders, right? And I actually had to Google that term, and I actually Googled a couple days ago, what do Michigan people actually want to call themselves? And 58% prefer that term, Michiganders. And so that's who I am, and that's who my family is, and we hope to be that for a very, very long time and not move ever again, hopefully. But I remember a couple of weeks ago, a number of weeks ago before Christmas, I was when I, my family and I, we were back in Philly, and we were trying to get everything ready for this move. Uh, some of the people on the teaching team here at Kensington, they started texting out family Christmas pictures. And so I didn't really know these guys, and so I, but I was on this uh, texting in part of this texting group, and so I started getting all of these texts. And I remember Dave Wilson, he sent out a picture of just sort of an impromptu picture of him and his family just hanging out in the kitchen. 
Somebody else texted, texted out a picture of them and their family in their living room. Somebody actually chose, another family actually chose to go outside, and with snow blowing in their face, they took their Christmas picture outside. But Kevin Valentine, who is the lead pastor of our Orlando campus, he sent out this picture. Right? And you're going to see that in a moment. He sends out this picture. And... I think we all recognize, because we've lived through it, this winter has been a rough one. And it's been a rough one, not just for us, but for so many other people in this country. But apparently in Florida, it's still been absolutely amazing. So the day that I got Kevin's text, I remember in Philly, it was cold, it was windy, it was cloudy, it was just absolutely miserable. So I remember standing in my living room and I got his text. And so I opened it up and I looked at the picture and I looked at his beautiful family standing outside of their home in the bright, warm sunshine, basking in all of that in front of their palm trees, not a cloud in the sky, not a snowflake on the ground. And I looked at that picture for a couple of seconds. And then I looked outside my window at the cold, at the wind, at at just the misery that was outside. And then I looked at the picture again. And I thought to myself, that's a pretty nice looking family. And then I looked outside. And I looked at the weather. And in a moment of weakness, I thought to myself, you know what? I've never met Kevin. I don't know Kevin. But I hate Kevin. I hate him. And it was because I was feeling envious. I was feeling discontent. I wanted to be where he was. I wanted to go outside in my shorts and take a Christmas picture outside in front of my palm trees. But obviously I couldn't do that. And maybe for some of you, you've experienced something similar. I know many of you have experienced something similar on social media because it happens so much, this happens so much, that they've actually created a term for it, which is called Facebook depression. And Facebook depression happens when we compare our lives to the Facebook lives of other people, which can leave us feeling envious, discontent, and it can even lead to feelings of depression. And of course, it doesn't just happen with Facebook because we all know that only old people use Facebook, but it happens with so many of the other social networking sites as well. And the reason it happens is because when we go online and we see someone's online social media profile, we're only seeing the best. We only see the most exciting, the most fun, the most interesting, the most successful parts of their life. And so when we go online and we see the best of people's lives, both personally and professionally, it's easy to start thinking that their life is so much more exciting than ours. It's easy to start thinking that their career is so much more successful than our career. And it's so, much, so easy to think that their leadership is so much more effective than ours. And it's easy to begin thinking that there's something missing, something wrong with us. And this is one of the disadvantages of not just social media, but digital, digital technology, digital media as well. And of course, when it comes to digital technology, there are so many advantages. Like it allows us to be better connected to one another. It allows us to have more, in, more access, to, access to more information than ever before in history. It also allows us to get jobs. That's how I got this position. It just ended, started with me. It all started with me just friending somebody on Facebook. And then it just went on from there. It snowballed from there. So there are so many advantages. But as many of you know, there are a ton of disadvantages as well. And so let me just name a few. When it comes to this, which we all have, our phones, 
in a recent study, they found that 27% of adults, 27%, more than a quarter of the population, said that they admitted to being addicted to these things. And that number rises to 50% for teens. Because we're so attached to these things, 40% of people admit to using this while sitting on the toilet. Which means, for, and you know who you are. You, you all know who you are. Come on now. Which means that, you know, for so many of you here, I never, ever want to touch your phone. But you know what the funny thing is? You shouldn't want to touch mine either. Ever. Ever. I'm part of that 40%. Absolutely. But that thing, our phones, are also the source of a lot of discord in our families. 77% of parents and teens say that they have argued about smartphone usage. When it comes to digital media, when it comes to digital media, this is a crazy statistic. The average American consumes 12 hours and 7 minutes every single day of digital media. And that, that includes multitasking, because a lot of us will have the TV on and we'll be looking at our phones, we'll be on social media or reading a story or something like that. And so it includes both. But 12 hours and 7 minutes. And as a result, and because we live in an increasingly digitized world, according to the National Center for Biotechnology Information, the average human attention span has gone from 12 seconds back in the year 2000 to now 8 seconds, which is a full second less than that of a goldfish. <laughs> so congratulations to us on that incredible accomplishment. And so that's the world that we live in now. A world where we are surrounded, we are immersed in digital technology. And so the question is, for us as leaders, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to lead in this world? Because, of course, digital technology, as I mentioned, it has a ton of advantages, but a ton of disadvantages as well. But even with all the disadvantages, I don't believe the solution for us as leaders is for us to abstain from digital technology. And I think if we actually tried to do that, that'd be a really, really hard thing to do. And it would make it difficult for us to lead. And the reason why I believe, a few reasons why I believe is we shouldn't abstain from it, not just because, it, not only because digital technology has a lot of benefits, but also because I don't think there's anything wrong with digital technology in and of itself. But where I believe the problem lies is within you and me. And the fact that we fail to develop healthy habits in this area of our life. So the big question that I want to address today is what are some habits that you and I can adopt as leaders that will allow us to use these God-given tools in a healthy manner? That's what I want to talk about today. And I wanted to give you just three thoughts concerning that. The first is a leadership principle called self-differentiation. And I was first introduced to this principle a number of years ago by my wife, Robin, who's a marriage and family therapist. And the reason she knew about it was that this principle originated in that field with a man by the name of Dr. Murray Bowen. And then a rabbi and family therapist named Edward Freeman, he took it and he adapted it into a leadership principle. And today I'm going to tell you just one basic but foundational aspect of self-differentiation. But if you want to know more, because it is truly a fascinating principle, I'd encourage you to read his book, A Failure of Nerve. But according to Friedman, according to him, a self-differentiated leader is somebody who has a strong sense of self. They understand who they are. And because they do, they're able to separate themselves. They're able to differentiate themselves from the emotions, the expectations, and the desires of other people while 
and this is an important part, while continuing to be connected to that person in relationship. And in many ways, self-differentiation is similar to this whole idea of kingdom identity, which Jamie Winship has talked about here in the past. But let me give you some examples of what a self-differentiated leader looks like. A self-differentiated leader, when someone comes to them and is angry, is critical, is frustrated with them, and just unloads on them, which probably many of us have experienced as leaders, when that happens, a self-differentiated leader, because he or she knows who they are and is rock-solid in their identity, they don't take what that person says personally, they don't get defensive, they don't take on that person's emotions, but they're able to listen and then respond in a calm, steady, non-anxious manner. And afterwards, they don't cut off that person and say, hey, you know what, you criticized me, you hurt my feelings, so we're done. That's not what they do, but they continue to be connected to that person in relationship. A self-differentiated person is also able to say no. They're able to draw firm boundaries. They're also able to make hard decisions that they know are right, but will be unpopular because you know what? They're not a people pleaser because they understand who they are. They have a strong sense of self. And the most self-differentiated person who ever lived on this earth was someone that maybe you've heard of. His name was Jesus. And Jesus, when you look at the scriptures, when you look at the gospels, he understood who he was and why he was here. So when people came at him, people like the Pharisees, and they were angry, and they were critical, and they were asking him, why would you ever do this? That's the stupidest thing to do. He didn't take, he wasn't defensive. He didn't take it personally. He didn't take on their emotional baggage. But he listened to them, even though he knew what they were going to say and what they were thinking. But he still listened to them and then responded in a non-anxious manner. Jesus also had no problem saying no and drawing hard boundaries. And if you look at his life, he said no a lot, not just with his words, but also with his actions. He passed by a ton of people who probably desperately wanted to be healed. He passed by people who were sick, had physical ailments. He could have healed them in a moment. But he said no. He said no a lot. Jesus also had no problems making hard decisions and also making statements that he knew were correct but would be wildly unpopular, like saying he was a son of God. That was a pretty unpopular one, and it eventually got him killed. But he was able to do all of these things because he had a strong sense of self, because he understood his identity. And this principle, I feel like, is so applicable and so important for us as leaders who are living in this digital world to understand. Because if you're a self-differentiated leader, if we're not self-differentiated, actually, I should say, that one of the things that we're going to try to do, if we don't have a strong sense of self, we're going to try to gain our approval, our validation, maybe even our identity from places like social media, from the number of followers that we have or don't have, from the number of likes that we get or shares or retweets that we get or don't get. If we're not self-differentiated, when you get that email from that person just ripping you apart, or that comment, or that text, or whatever it is, if we don't have a strong sense of self, we're going to take it personally, we're going to get defensive, and we might even respond in the same way and say, you know what, I'm done, and just cut off the relationship. And probably every single one of us here have experienced something like that, or we've at least seen something like that. An email exchange, it might have been an exchange on social media where somebody said something terrible, and the other person said something just twice as terrible, and it just went back and forth and back and forth. 
And whenever I see something like that, I wonder to myself, and maybe some of you guys have as well, that I, whenever I read a thread like that, I'm thinking, those words actually went from your brain to your fingers. You typed that out on your computer or on your smartphone, may have even reread parts of it, and still thought it was okay to press send? Really? But yet, for every single one of us here, we've probably seen something like that, either personally or professionally, because it happens every single day. But imagine, imagine with me, if every single one of us here were self-differentiated, and that we understood who we were, and that our identity came from who we are in Christ, the fact that we are chosen, the fact that we are sons or daughters of the King, that we are new creation people, that we are loved and cherished more than we could ever understand or imagine. And so when we got that email, when we got that message, when we got that text, rather than being defensive, rather than taking on that person's emotions, we responded, we listened, and then we responded in a calm, steady, loving, non-anxious manner, and then continued in relationship with that person because we understood who we are. We understand who we are. Imagine if every single one of us did that with our friends, with our family, which can sometimes be the toughest, in our workplaces. Imagine if we led like that. How it powerfully it would communicate Jesus to the people around us and to a world that is in such desperate need of him. But if that's going to happen, what it requires for us to do, it requires for us to be self Differentiated. It's an incredible, incredible leadership principle. But in addition to self-differentiation, something else that we have to do as people living in the digital world is that we also have to exercise, I believe, something called portion control. And portion control, it's really rooted, when I think about it, it's really rooted in what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where he says, everything is permissible. But you know what? Not everything is beneficial. And as a kid, I grew up in Vancouver, Canada. Not Vancouver, Washington, but the real Vancouver, Canada. Uh, anyone ever been there before? Vancouver? Awesome. A lot of you guys have. And so for those of you who have been there, you understand that Vancouver is one of, if not the most beautiful place on this earth. It's absolutely breathtaking place. And that's where I grew up. And I grew up going to church. And after church, what my mom would usually do was that she would take us out to lunch. And she would take us out to lunch, usually to this one restaurant, which was a buffet. And when I tell people the name of this place, they sort of chuckle and they sort of give me this funny look. Because the place was called Uncle Willie's. And people look at me thinking, really, did a pervert open that place or something? And I'm like, no, he was, he was probably an uncle. Maybe his name was Willie, so he named it after himself. Or maybe he had an uncle who was named Willie, so he named it Uncle Willie's. But whatever it is, it was called Uncle Willie's, and it was a buffet. And you know what? We would go there a lot of times after church on Sundays, and so I would get in the line. I was a kid. I'd get in the line, pick up my dinner plate, and then, you know, you guys have probably all been to a buffet. When you go to a buffet, the first thing, the first sort of station is salad. And I hate salad. So I would just go right, walk by the salad place, and I would go straight to the good stuff, the entree. And I would pile my plate full of mashed potatoes and French fries, and then I would go to macaroni and cheese. And then eventually I would get to, at the very end I remember, was the meat station. And they would always have two types of meat. They would have roast beef and ham. And remember, I'm a kid, and I remember this one time so distinctly that I was standing there at the meat station, and I wanted ham, but I couldn't think of the word ham. So I said, 
pig please and that's what happened so he gave me the ham and that was that was what happened but growing up I was a little bit of a chubby kid I was a little bit overweight so one day so one time I started I was like you know what I want to lose some weight I want to drop some pounds but I'm going to this buffet and one of the things that I knew as a kid was that if you want to lose weight eat less and so I went to this buffet like we usually did on this Sunday to Uncle Willie's. And I looked at the plates at the very beginning and I said, you know what? I'm not going to get the big plate today. I'm going to get the small little plate. Right? The little salad plate, the dessert plate that's like maybe like five inches, I don't even know, four inches in diameter. And so I said, if I get this plate, it'll prevent me from taking too much food. And so I took that little plate. And then, of course, I walk past the salad because I'm trying to lose weight, and salad's not going to help with that, right? <laughs> so I walk past the salad, and then I started putting on the mashed potatoes. And then I realized, oh, I'm running out of room. And so I, like, I got to stop that. And so then I tried to squish some fries in and then jam some macaroni and cheese. And then I got to the meat station. I said, pig, please. And so they put the ham on top. And then I went back to my table. I ate it in like two minutes. And I was, I was sitting there, and I remember thinking, I'm still hungry. This stinks. I'm not going to do that. And so I just gave up and went and got the big dinner plate. And I was like, forget it, because I love food. But ultimately, what I was trying to do in that moment was I was trying to exercise portion control. And one of the key principles of portion control is to scale back, reduce, cut back. When it's food, cut back, scale back on the amount that you consume, the amount that you eat. And when it comes to digital technology, I think portion control and scaling back is something that so many of us, including myself, we have to do. Because for so many of us, the amount that we consume digital technology is really out of control. Just to give you a few stats and to sort of paint this picture. When it comes to social media, the average American uses almost, uh, is on social media almost two hours every single day. And teens are, not surprisingly, leading the way, and they can use up to nine hours a day or be on social media up to nine hours a day. According to a recent Barna stat that came out, 68% of Americans watch TV every single day. And when we watch TV, we as Americans, we watch on average four hours every day. So imagine if you watch TV every single day, on average four hours a day, you are watching TV during the week 28 hours a week. And parents, if you're, par if you're a parent of small children, something that you've probably tried to do is you probably tried to limit their screen time because you understand, you know what, that's just not a good thing. But in a recent study that was done by Common Sense Media, they found that parents are some of the worst offenders. Parents, on average, spend 9 hours and 22 minutes in front of various screens. And out of those 9 hours and 22 minutes, only eight, 8 of those hours were for personal use. It wasn't for work. It was for personal things. And one of the funny things about this study was that they found that 78% of parents still believe that they were good role models for their children when it came to digital technology, if you can believe that. And so understanding this, understanding that this is the climate, something that so many of us have to do, is we have to scale back our use. And really, if we want to scale back, the first thing that we have to start with is we have to figure out how much do we actually use this stuff in terms of just ballparking. How much do I watch TV? How much am I on my phone? How much am I on social media? How much do I use digital media? And once we figure that out, 
What if all of us, we took a step back and we just tried to reduce our consumption by 30 minutes, an hour, maybe even two hours every single day? What if all of us did that? And prior to coming to Kensington, I was a young adult pastor at a church out in Philadelphia. And so I had this conversation with so many college students, young professionals, as well as their parents. And something that I never, ever have said when it comes to this topic is that in all, with all these conversations that I've had on digital technology, I have never, ever said to anybody, you know what, you should really try to use your phone more. You should really try to watch TV more. You should really try to up your social media profile. I have never, ever said that. But to countless number of people, I have challenged them. I have encouraged them to scale back. To scale back and then to use their time to do something else that breathes life into their soul. I've encouraged countless number of people with that time, rather than being on your phone, rather than watching TV, rather than doing whatever you do on the internet. Why don't you just, why don't you cut that out? Why don't you just scale that back and use that time to meet up with that person that you've always wanted to meet up with? But I've said, you know what? I don't have any time. Why don't you go exercise? Why don't you go connect with God? Why don't you spend time with your family? And imagine if every single one of us did that. Half an hour a day, an hour a day, whatever it might be for you. Because time is one of the most valuable resources that we have. And so many of us complain that we don't have enough. So what if we as leaders, we actually led in this area. And we scaled back. We reduced the consumption of something that has been scientifically proven to drain life from us. And instead, we did something else that energized us, breathed life into us so that we can more fully step into the life that God has created and destined for us to live. If every single one of us did that, I believe that we would be able to lead more powerfully and more effectively in the spheres of influence that God has placed us in. Scale back. But at the same time, also, in regards to this whole idea of portion control, I think it's so important for us to schedule time. If we want to get this under wraps and what it means is what I mean by schedule of time is really you can think of it two ways. The first is to schedule time in the day where you say, you know what? It's during these hours. That I'm going to watch TV. It's during these hours that I'm going to be on social media. So during these hours, I'm going to do whatever it is. Because for so many of us, we are intentional with so many other aspects of our lives. We schedule lunches. We schedule when we're going to work out. We schedule when we're going to have meetings. We schedule all of these things. Some of us even schedule, hey, this is the time that I'm going to spend with my children. So why wouldn't we also schedule digital, tech, digital media, digital device use? Or if you want to think of it another way, and this might be more effective for some of you. I know it's more effective for me. To not schedule time when you're going to use those things, but to schedule time when you're not going to use those things. Because for so many of us, the last thing that we see before we go to bed is a screen. And the first thing that we reach for in the morning is a screen. And so what if we schedule time in our life where we said, you know what? I'm not going to be on my device. I'm not going to use those things. And what if every single one of us did that? And what if we all scheduled time and said, you know what, for the first 30 to 60 minutes of my day and the last 30 to 60 minutes of my day, I'm going to try to be fully present with my family 
or my roommate, or if you live by yourself, to do something else, connect with God, to do something else that breathes life into you. But to say that during these times of my day, I am not going to do, I'm not going to use this stuff. And I'm going to be off of it. And I'm going to be fully present. Maybe it's when you're eating lunch with someone. Because we all know that we've, we've all probably experienced those disruptions. When you're eating lunch with somebody, whether it might be a friend, family, whether it might be a coworker, and they get that email, that text, that call. And you're having a conversation, and they interrupt the conversation to be able to return that text. And I've had that happen. I've done it to people as well. And when we actually do that, and sometimes, of course, it's important Those things are urgent. There's something, some emergency happening or whatever it is, something that you just have to quickly shoot out. But so oftentimes it's not. And when we do that and we sort of stop the conversation and say, oh, I'm sorry, I just got to return this, or we don't even say that and we just do it anyways, we're making a value statement in so many ways. And we're saying that, you know what, the person on the other end of this text, the other end of this email, the other end of this phone call is more important than you. The person who carved time out of their schedule to actually come out and to have a face-to-face conversation with me. So what if we scaled back our usage? What if we also scheduled time and said, you know what, during these times I will use or during these times I will not use these things. And the way that we led was in this way, where we loved the people around us and where we were more fully present with the people around us. But in addition to being self-differentiated and in addition to portion control, I think something else that is so important for all of us to do is to renew our minds. Because as I mentioned, there are so many benefits to digital technology. It allows us to have access to more information than ever before, more entertainment than ever before. But a lot of the stuff that's out there, that's not good stuff. A lot of the stuff that we're exposed to, a lot of, a lot of the things that we expose ourselves to, it's not God-honoring, and it doesn't move us closer towards God, but rather further away. And that's why, because there's so much out there, I also believe for us as leaders, if we're going to lead properly in this world, every single day that we have to choose to renew our minds. And this is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which I think is so incredibly powerful. He writes this. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when he talks about the renewing of one's mind, what he's talking about, it's not an instantaneous one-time event, but he's talking about a continual process, a decision that you and I make every single day to renew our minds to freshen our minds. And some of the ways that we can renew our minds is to be reading in the scriptures every single day and being reminded of the promises of God and who God says he is and who we are in relation to him. Filling our minds with that and choosing to also fill our minds with that every single day. Some other ways that we can renew our minds is being connected to God in prayer every day. Being in community with people that not only we can have a ton of fun with, but also people who will encourage us, people who will ask us the hard questions, those people, and those people who will inspire us to move us closer to God. But yet it's a choice that we have to make every single day. And Paul says when we make that choice as leaders, this is what can happen. As people, this is what can happen. And he says in the second half of Romans 12, 2, Then, if 
we renew our minds, then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. We'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What he says is that when we renew our minds, then we will be able to understand how God wants us to live and how God wants us to lead in this world. Because we'll understand what God's will is for our life. But we first have to make that decision every single day to renew this and to choose to do that. And so how, as leaders, can we lead more effectively in this world and to lead in the way that God has called us to lead, to be self-differentiated? And the key aspect of that is understanding who we are, to exercise portion control, to scale back, to schedule time, and also to renew our minds so we can understand how God wants us to live and to lead in this world. And if every single one of us even did even one of those things starting today, I believe in the places that God has put us to lead, whether it might be, whether it's at Kensington, whether it's within our families, within our friends, in our workplaces, that it would so powerfully communicate Jesus to the people around us into a world that is in such desperate need of Christ. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for these gifts that you have given us, Lord, whether it's our phones, whether it's our computers, social media, God, these things in and of themselves, as I mentioned, there's nothing wrong with them, God, and they are tools that we can use to communicate who you are to this world, God. But so often, Lord, with the gifts, the problem doesn't lie with them, but within us. And so I pray, Lord, whether it's something that we talked about today or maybe it's something else that you reminded us about while we're talking or maybe even through this uh, yesterday and today, God, that we would be courageous enough to take steps, those steps, the way that you're prompting us, help us to be courageous to step into those things, Lord, in our life. So that whether it's on social media, whether it's our phones, whether it's TV, whatever it may be, that we could use these things to honor you, Lord. And so we thank you, God, that you love us so deeply, Lord. And so however you are leading us today, God, may we be able to move in that direction. And we thank you, and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. You know, the thing that convicts me as a father is when I think about what really hangs in the balance of me getting this right. You know, for me, I have these two young children that all they really want are my eyes. All they really want is my attention. All they really want is my hands to find me down on my hands and knees playing with them, interacting face to face. And if I'm honest with myself, I would say I probably interact with this far more than I interact with them. And part of that's because this is with me morning, noon, and night. And they have to go to school and live their lives. But those moments, those ever so brief moments that my children are looking at my face and I am looking at this screen, it's impossible for me to know what really hangs in the balance. Same with our husbands and wives, same with our brothers and sisters and our, our, our families and those people that are in our lives. We have no idea what hangs in the balance, what that conversation might have meant to someone, how it could have changed everything. And if we were paying attention, even just one iota, we would see it and we would know it. There's been so many times that my kids have come up to me. They've stood in front of me long enough to realize I wasn't paying attention. And they've taken their hand ever so gingerly. Just lowered my phone from my face. And I wish I responded better than I typically do. 
But in moments of clarity and when I'm the best version of myself, I realize I've got to do something about this. So we've established rules and put boundaries in place, but it's something that's a constant struggle for our family as it probably is with yours. But I say that because I think this is one that if we're not careful, we can all go, yeah, I should probably cut back a little bit. But we won't actually make a change. And you see, that's the problem with this entire series is when we come to church, we hear something hopefully that stirs our heart. We hear something that affects our mind and we say, you know what, I should do something. And even some of us, we make a decision. We go, you know what, I don't think I should do something. I'm going to do something. And we walk out from this place and go, yes, today is the day. What's for lunch? And we go, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then we just kind of, by Monday or Tuesday, we go, wasn't I supposed to be doing something? Ah, I don't forget. And we move back into our substance abuse or our need for approval or our body image issues or we continue to pull this phone or this screen out and leverage it to fill the hole inside of us that only Christ can fill. To miss out on the relationships that God strategically placed us in life for. And so today we're going to ask you to do something. We gave everybody a little sheet of paper, three by five card when you came in today. Would you go ahead and pull that out? If you have a pen, go ahead and pull that out too. And as a matter of fact, we have our ushers ready. If you need a pen, would you just raise your hand up, just put it up real high. Our ushers or greeters will come by and bring a pen to you. Because this is what we're going to ask you to do today. Today, we're going to ask you to make a decision. We're going to ask you to take a step. We're going to ask you to, to do something maybe a little less conventional for you. Over the course of these songs and our worship and our response that we have the opportunity to connect with God through our, through our voices, I'm going to encourage you to take a portion of that time. And I want you to write down, what is your craving? Is it approval? Do you crave attention? Do you crave alcohol or a substance? Do you crave a certain body image that you just can't find? Or is it that devilishly clever little device? But I want you to write that down. I want you to hold on to it while we worship. I want you to have it in your hand. If you're the type of person that raises their hand in worship, I want you to hold that up too. If you're the type of person that sits and just contemplates during worship, I want you to sit with that. But I want you to hold it and I want you to start asking yourself this question. What is this costing me right now? And what might this cost me in the future? What would it take for me to be freed from it? Because when we ask those questions, it starts churning in our hearts and minds. We begin to realize that maybe it's time for a change. And if you're ready for a change today, on your way out, you're going to see these tables on either side. And I'm just going to ask you to take your craving. I'm going to ask you to lay it down, to release it. And when you do that, our ushers or our greeters are going to present you with your day one chip. It says, my grace is enough for you. Celebrate recovery. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, the journey begins. You see, you get a blue chip for one reason and one reason only, because you have expressed an intention to change. It doesn't mean you've done anything yet. This is just expresses an intention to change. And if that's you today, we want to send this home with you. One, because you may very well need Celebrate Recovery. We've had dozens and dozens and dozens of people show up to celebrate recovery over the last few weeks and maybe that needs to be you this week or maybe you need to set boundaries around your digital devices and the devices of your children or maybe you need to seek out a professional counselor or an accountability group or a small group or you just need to connect in some way with people that can help you be accountable 
and do the things you know, the process you need in order to change. Guys, if you leave here today only feeling like you got a good idea and a good understanding, but you didn't make strategic choices of how you're going to live your life differently, you will see no difference. We must make the decision to act and to change something about ourselves. And it begins today and it begins here. So do me a favor, over the time that we worship, you can do whatever you like to worship. You can stand and worship with us. You can sit and write, whatever it is. But I'd love for you to take a moment, write down your craving, because we all have one, and hold on to that during worship. And at the end of our service, we're going to ask you to release that, to pick up a chip, to begin day one of your brand new life. Let's worship together.
about to sing is an incredible statement. When we were planning this service, I was so excited that we were doing this song based on this series. By your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrecting king is resurrecting me. And I just love that picture because me and my kids have been in the ashes trying to rebuild a life that actually was destroyed by this as a tool. This was the tool that was used to destroy my marriage, to destroy my family. So this service is powerful for me. And I've seen this used as a tool for destruction. And I've also seen how my community of family and friends and church have used this tool to help rebuild and restore us in our time of need. So that's just kind of a beautiful picture to me. But for those of us who are taking this seriously today, and for those of us who are going to lay something down, may we destroy something together in each of our lives today. And from the ashes of what we destroyed, may we rise up through the Spirit of God, be resurrected into a beautiful and bright future. So if you want to stand and sing this with us, I would love to invite you to this true and powerful statement. By your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. Let that be our story. Come on. By your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting Body there would not 
telling you, man, you always bring us the best part of the service. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know about you, but when I have the opportunity to hear profound truth, sometimes things I don't necessarily want to hear, but I need to hear, and then I have the opportunity to, to kind of solidify that with my church community and worship and response. I feel like God does big things. He's been doing big things through this whole series, and I hope he continues to do so. As we said before, my hope is, is that you have that token now. You have that thing, that craving that you're choosing to overcome in this next season of your life. And when you leave today, I hope that you will choose to lay it down, that you'll pick up one of these blue chips, and that today will be day one for you. Today will be the first day of the rest of your life, that you will make better choices filled with the Spirit of God and the power of the Holy Spirit within us to do those things. To those of you maybe that are planning on attending uh, Discover Northridge today, or Discover Kensington, wow, I said that. Discover Kensington, that was five years, five years. Anyway, um, those of you that are planning to discover this church, the one we currently attend, um, that's happening in the inner lobby out there. We'd love for you to join us and see a little bit more about what this church that we currently attend is like. Um, next week, we have a brand new service. It's all about Super Bowl, all right? So you cannot celebrate the big game without first coming to the big house, all right? So come here, be a part of service with us, and enjoy all the fun stuff that'll be happening. But between now and then, may God bless you and bring you extravagant victory in his name. God bless you. We'll see you outside.